another thing too that artists need to understand is, you know, a good quality song will take you a long way. And, and what I mean quality is like, if you're not good at mixing your song, you should find someone that's good at mixing your song like, and mastering your song because it makes a difference, right? Um, especially on a playlist because if your song is being played after a good quality mix song and it comes on next and the listener is listening to that, the sound quality is going to automatically turn them off and they're going to skip your song, right? So that affects, negatively affects you as well. So that's very important that artists make sure that they get their records mixed and mastered to the best of their ability as they can. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, I'm excited to be here today with Nigel Sparks. Nigel is a music business marketer who's been working with top-tier talent and executives over the last 10 years. He's over 8 million records sold with working with clients that include Grammy nominations, radio number one hit singles, Soul Train Music Awards, number one charting Billboard singles and albums, so he knows a thing or two about releasing music, and he started a company called Playlist Streams in 2020. And since then, Playlist Streams has helped thousands of artists as well as major labels and indie labels in their rollout plans for the music on Spotify. So today, I'm excited to talk with him about the topic of uh, releasing your music and getting more streams on platforms like Spotify and the power of using playlist campaigns to do that. So Nigel, thank you for taking the time to be here today. Thanks for having me, Michael. Absolutely. So maybe before we dive in, you could share a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got started and reached a point with you know eight million records sold. Maybe you share a little bit about your story. So I started in the music business when I was in college. Honestly, I was managing some kids. I went to Penn State University. I'm a business student, and by default, because I was a business student, I just became a manager. And they were rapping and singing. And, you know, I got them on the radio at the school. We was in the newspaper. They played our song at the football games, et cetera, et cetera. I graduated, and I still wanted to do music instead of pursue my career investment banking that I went to school for. Hmm. So, you know, long story short, you know, I end up, you know, working with a publishing company. And then I started managing a bunch of, you know, artists and producers, and then, you know, I came across these special, talented guys, and we end up doing a song called Tonight by John Legend featuring Ludacris. It was my first number one record. It was in Think Like a Man movie. And then, you know, during that journey, we started working with artists like Neo, and we did a bunch of records with him and Miguel, and, you know, you just kept going and going and going and going. And, you know, that's my main business. I'm a talent manager. I manage artists. I manage songwriters. I manage music producers. And playlisting came about, I would say, about, you know, five years ago or six years ago. 
And at the time, I had an artist, and I was just seeing the trends of what was going on in the music space, the transfer, transformation from MP3s, actual ownership to digital ownership of songs. And I kind of jumped ahead of the curve, and I kind of figured out how to get on Spotify playlists about, you know, like I say, six years ago. And with that, I was just doing it for my artist that I managed at the time. And, you know, I just noticed that a lot of my peers in the business was managing artists or worked at labels or producers that had their own artists were outsourcing their marketing efforts to people and they were getting scammed. So at that point, I was like, you know, let me kind of create a platform called Playlist Dreams where, you know, I'm actually a music executive and people can actually trust a company. Right, that, that's going to say and do what they're going to do. So I created Playlist Dreams in 2020, kind of right before the pandemic. So during the pandemic, I was just building it out. Amazing, man! That's that's great to hear. And and you know, unfortunately, it seems like the music industry is one of the one of those industries where you hear so much about being scammed and different. You know, there's the classic idea of someone writing a contract and signing away their rights and whatnot. So it's it's good to to see and hear that there's there's people out there that, you know, are are looking to combat that as well. So maybe you could share a little bit about that specifically. Because obviously, you know, as a as a musician nowadays, a lot of us are asking the question, how do we get more streams on these platforms? And maybe if you're starting out from scratch, you don't have an audience yet. How do you actually build an audience and how do you how do you grow your numbers? So maybe you could share a little bit about some pointers for anyone who's listening to this right now who is looking at different platforms that they could invest in in order to try to you know, grow their audience and get more streams. How does someone spot out the scams or the things that you know aren't really worth it versus something that's more that's more effective? The first way to spot out a scam is if it's too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe a few years ago, there's a lot of companies out there selling streams for like $10 and $20. And it's like, get thousands of streams for 10 and $20. Like, that's too good to be true. So, you know, that, that kind of would give you a red flag per se. Like, you know, if it's too good to be true, if the price is too cheap for all these amount of streams, you kind of want to question that within itself, right? So that's mainly the main way to do it. And then just look at like reviews and, you know, talk to someone on the phone, you know, and kind of like hear them out. If you you can contact someone on the phone and hear them out and, you know, ask some questions, as many questions as you can. See, like we'll play the streams in the beginning, you know, I guarantee the streams. We still do now. I guarantee the streams. And when I did it, a lot of people were like, oh, how do you guarantee streams? How do you guarantee streams? But at the time, you have something called Spotify for artists, right? So because I've been doing this for five years without Spotify for artists, when Spotify for artists came about, it was a game changer for people like me because now I have access to the data. I can actually look at the data, what's going on on these playlists, I can see what streams are, what playlists are driving streams, what playlists are not driving streams, because that was a big thing too. You would get on a lot of playlists and these players were driving those streams. They have a, 
100,000 likes or 250,000 likes, and then you get five streams at the end of the month. And I was just like, that doesn't even make any sense, right? So now having the data, you can see which players are active, which players are not active. So that allowed us to come up with a strategy to provide and put artists on active playlists, right? So if we put your song on a bunch of playlists, we can see which ones are working, which ones are not. We can take it out of that playlist, put it on another playlist, et cetera, et cetera. Right? We also can identify Fox that way. Right? So because we have access to the data, we can see which playlists are, you know, biting. And if they are biting, we remove the song immediately and we, we delete it from our system. So it's like we weed out a lot of those playlists and we try to focus on a playlist that's actually active and that can kind of work for the the song that the artist is giving us, right? And I think another thing too that artists need to understand is, you know, a good quality song will take you a long way. And, and what I mean quality is like, if you're not good at mixing your song, you should find someone that's good at mixing your song and mastering your song because it makes a difference, right? Especially on a playlist because if your song is being played after a good quality mix song and it comes on next and the listener is listening to that, the sound quality is going to automatically turn them off and they're going to skip your song, right? So that affects, negatively affects you as well. So that's very important that artists make sure that they get their records mixed and mastered to the best of their ability if they can. Hmm. Yeah, that's such an important lesson. I know for for us, when we were first starting out, I didn't fully appreciate how important it was to work with the right producer and mixing engineer and mastering engineer. I think I thought that basically if you were just super, super talented, that that would be enough. But it's sort of like, I don't know, if, it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you are recording your song on a Motorola Razor phone, if people even remember what that phone was, is this old flip phone, but it has a microphone. But if you're recording that song, then you know it's there's no way it can possibly compete. Doesn't matter how good you perform it, how great the song is, it's just not going to be competitive. And I know for us, the the amount of improvement that came when we actually worked with the right producer, who wasn't just some like a, a local friend, but was someone that actually had worked with you know, the types of artists that we wanted to go on tour with and some like really like bigger names, that was one of the biggest game changers for us in terms of the quality of, of the music. And yeah, I think you're you're spot on in, in that advice. And, and it sounds like what you're saying is that is an important foundation. If you're going to be successful using these strategies, then you want to make sure that you start with, you know, the song. Exactly. It's all about the song. Like I work in the music business. The song is the most important part of everything, mm-hmm. the song. It's all about the soul. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So uh, tell me a little bit more about, so playlist streams specifically. It sounds like you have a great strategy for basically sussing out what the botted playlists are, removing those ones, finding what were the active playlists, people are actually listening to it. So you have a good process for, for the way that you've curated these playlists. Do you do you focus specifically on one genre or like a different or certain kinds of genres or do you have services that span across different genres and how do you sort of factor in that when you're accumulating those playlists? We focus on multiple genres, right? And some of the 
the more popular ones seem to be, you know, hip hop, country, rock, and pop, right? No, we, we also have done EDM dance in the past, folk songs, but like with our database, if we get, we've done, you know, reggaeton, Latin music as well. But if we get a song and our team feels like we can't achieve the goal or the streaming goal, we won't take the song, right? And that could be like, you know, genre specific. Like, you know, during the holidays, we get a lot of like Christmas requests. And we have to turn them away because we don't, there's not a lot of Christmas playlists with that much data, right? Every year there's new playlists coming, coming, and coming, but it's such a short amount of time that we don't feel comfortable putting your song in these playlists because they're newer playlists and we can't really identify the data to guarantee our streaming service to you. So, you know, we're very picky when it comes to that. Right, you know, again, if the song sounds too bad, we will turn you away. You know, if the quality is bad, but if we have, if there's a genre that we're not confident in playlisting it, then we'll, we'll turn it away as well. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast. Or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two-week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire music mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're going to have our Music Mentor Spotlight series. And that's where we're going to bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now. And one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top-level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're going to have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you want to take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast, supporting the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. Cool. That, that totally makes sense. So what are some other recommendations that you would have for someone? Or actually, let me put it this way. So now that you have you know a ton of experience working with artists and seeing people who've shown up and they were perfect and they did everything exactly right. And, you know, they had awesome results and success versus maybe some people who did everything wrong or they came in with the wrong mindset or, you know, they struggled. I'm curious if you had to sort of like hold those two different types of artists in two different hands and kind of contrast and compare them, 
what was it that really set apart the artist who became the most successful versus the one who who struggled? That's a great question. I would say mindset, right? Because you're never going to get it right the first time. You're going to run through some brick walls. But it's all about your mindset. You got to be coachable. You got to have a growth mindset. And, you know, you got to learn from your losses. Learn from your mistakes and just become better. And, you know, the artist with that type of mindset, you know, they never give up, but also learn and it's coachable and don't act like they know everything. And the artist that I've personally seen thrive the most. Because it takes that, you know, a nice artist that, you know, they treat their team with respect. They don't like, you know, act, you know, like a bitch part of my language. But, you know, really, the people around you, it takes a village, right? And the people around you are important. So, you know, your attitude towards them is well important as well. And you want to, you know, be nice to them and appreciate them for the work that they do for you as an artist. Hmm. That's so good. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting too. It's like the, it's, there's so much technical stuff and tactics and strategies and all that stuff is great. But it seems like when I ask most people who've experienced success and they've seen people experience success, what, what was the differentiator? They say exactly what you just said. It was, it's really a, a matter of, of mindset. So that sort of begs the question, how can someone, what would your recommendation be for them if they're trying to figure out how can I improve my mindset and have a growth mindset and you know i i want to feel less i want to feel less self-doubt and i want to you know i want to be able to be disciplined but you know maybe they struggle with that sometimes like how can they start developing that uh, i would say find an accountability partner someone that you know you can trust to be vulnerable with and so, and, and it's not not like a yes man it's like yes 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 people are like, oh you're they're gonna be like you're fucking up like, get your shit together. You know what I'm saying? Someone that holds you accountable, whether that be a family member or a friend or, you know, a manager or a business partner, someone that you can trust, who, whose opinion you trust, you know, that, that's one way if you can't do it on your own. You know, some people, they can, you know, read self-help books and, you know, cultivate a plan and stick to the plan and be disciplined, you know, but that's not everyone, you know? Especially, like, you know, musicians, you, you know, you guys are all over the place sometimes. Your thoughts are everywhere, songwriters, artists. So, you know, if you can have someone that you can trust, keep them close. Because, you know, there's a lot of people out here that tell you, yes, 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 yes. But it's not always the best thing that you need to hear. The person that tells you what you don't want to hear, the person that you want to keep around the most. <laughs> That's powerful. Yeah, making sure that you have sources you can trust to tell you the truth. Not just people who are going to say yes, just to avoid feeling uncomfortable. Yeah, it's interesting too. That's something that I totally relate with, and, and something that I, that I see in most of my mentors too. They, they speak to this idea of, you know, you become like the five people that you surround yourself with most, and it seems yeah. like there's a lot of a lot of truth to that. And nowadays, you know, you don't even necessarily have the best case scenario is if you actually are spending time with that person, right? And you're learning directly from them. You're witnessing what you're talking back and forth. That's like the best way to absorb that and really communicate with them. But nowadays, you know, it's possible to, because of the internet and because of videos and mentorship and even like, like this podcast, there's ways that you can get, you know, the voices of influences that have, you know, mentors that have done the thing that you want to do in your ear. 
And it does seem like that's one of the most powerful ways to shift your mindset too, is just surround yourself with the people who've done it. And that's going to, that's going to flip so many switches. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like you said, podcasts like this, you know, you know, listen to podcasts, interviews, just, you know, like you said, listening to people that's done it, surround yourself with, with good, positive people around you and just staying positive. It's, it's a journey. Like, you know, Nipsey Hussle said it right. It's a marathon, not a race. You know, you fall down twice, you get up three times. Mm. Awesome. So uh, when we talk about accountability buddies or you know, maybe even the topic of finding a mentor, uh, that might be an interesting one to talk about. Would you have any tips for if someone, let's say that they're listening to this or watching this right now and they want to upgrade their mindset and or their their, their skills or they want to surround themselves with people who have done the thing they want to do, which in this case, maybe it's you know growing their music career and having a successful you know music career. What are some ideas for them to kind of get themselves in the room or start getting communicating with those mentors to allow them to be coachable and to be able to, to learn and grow? I would say start with social media, identifying, you know, people that done it or you want to know or admire and just follow them because they po- they'll post like books that they read or quotes or interviews and just like study everything about them, you know, so that it may be an opportunity where they're speaking at a conference and you go to that conference and you have your two minutes of elevator pitch to talk to them. And because you kind of know about that person, you have some type of conversation, that person might admire that and be like, hey, take my email address or here's my phone number and contact you, right? There's a great book that I read called by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's a it's really an excellent book. Like, if you could really master that book, you'll be A-OK in anything in life. But yeah, just like, you know, Find out who you want to mentor you or people you admire and seek them out on YouTube, watch the interviews. You know, you know, like for me, one of mine is Troy Carter. I watch everything about Troy Carter. I read everything about all his interviews. And so when I see him in person, we have great conversations. I know what's going on. I know what he's tapping into, but you know, you gotta do that. Mm. So good. Yeah. And and even just the the way that you approach those people, right? If you're coming at it from a place of, you know, it's so easy to to feel that energy shift when someone you know approaches you and they want something from you, or they're just thinking like, "What's it like?" You know, they're they're what's in it for me, and that's how they're coming to it. Versus someone who shows up with an open heart and that's looking to you know provide value or just looking to who's grateful or appreciative, just a totally different energy. And so it seems like, you know, like there's, there's so much that you can do by approaching those people and not asking for anything from them, but maybe kind of even asking yourself, you know, how can I provide value to them and what, how can I help them? And what people might not recognize is what the way that you just, what you just shared is that one way you can provide value to them is by actually listening to what what they're saying and by appreciating that and recognizing it and being able to show them that you appreciate it. just saying thank you just saying thank you to them for for doing that like that's really valuable yeah. and you're going to stand out 
because you showed up and you said thank you and you weren't asking for anything versus yeah. if you showed up and you're like, hey, I've got this thing that I'm working on and I want you to, you know, it's, it's so funny how, how, that, how that works. If you think about it, it's actually flattering. If a stranger came up to you and said thank you for X, Y, and Z, modern musician, you're going to feel good about yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they may be like, hey, man, let's say contact you. Sure, no problem. Now you, <laughs> there you go. It's all in the approach and the energy and the confidence and having like, you know, you have to know how to relate to the person that you're talking to and, you know, figuring, kind of figuring it out. I'm from New York. I learned that in New York. You know, you got two seconds to, to get their attention or they're going to walk away. So you got to know what you want to say in that two seconds to get that attention so that, you know, you can get their contact or start some type of relationship, right? Because, you know, I started in the music business. I didn't know anybody. I had no contacts. I had no relationships. My family didn't work in the music business, at least on the urban side or pop music. So it was like I had to start from the bottom and I had to like go out there and network and talk to people and not be afraid to talk to people. And how my clients got to work with Neo was I went to elevator with them with his manager. Hmm. And in that five minute or whatever we had. I convinced him to take a meeting with me. And the rest mm-hmm. is history. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. So so that that actually opens up a great a great question. And this probably actually circles back around to that recommendation of the book by Dale Carnegie, right? How to win friends and influence people. I'm yeah, I think a big piece of that is about how do you show up and how do you build relationships? Specifically for an artist who might be listening to this or watching this right now who maybe they are a little bit more shy or introverted or, or they don't naturally feel comfortable meeting new people and asking them for their contact info. What are some tips or, or lessons for them to be able to, to actually raise their voice and be able to start building relationships and networking in a way that they really need to if they want to grow their music career? Uh, that's a great question, right? And, and, and the way to do it, you have to be bold enough to wear a piece or a conversational piece, whether it be a hat, whether it be a brooch, whether it be a certain jacket or something that is going to draw people to you. Plus, you got to have good energy, right? And then you have a conversational piece. People will actually come to you and be like, hey, nice hat or nice brooch or nice earrings or nice sunglasses. And then you just got to be able to just take it from there because if you want to be an artist, you cannot be shy, right? You have to get out of that comfort zone, right? You want to perform in, in front of, you know, 50,000 people like Beyonce, right? You, she's not shy. She has to go out there and be vulnerable in the moment in front of 50,000 people. So if you really want to be an artist, you have to overcome your fear. And they always say success is on the other side of fear. Mm. Mm. So good. Yeah, it's interesting too, as as you described described that idea of like even having a conversational icebreaker or something that becomes you know a nice entry point. But it really does seem like so. So part of the reason I brought up that question is I, I personally used to be very shy and awkward and had some social anxiety, and the idea of like networking was really challenging. And over time with the band, like we basically had to learn how to be a better communicator and how to be comfortable with. <laughs> not fearing re- rejection. And it seems like there is sort of an element of when you're meeting enough new people every day, then it's kind of like it sharpens your edge. And some of your, like those little topics, like the, the icebreakers, 
you might notice like you say the same, you say something to one person and they laugh or they respond to one certain point of it. And you're like, okay, cool. Like now when I share that story, I'm going to talk, I'm going to make that same joke or I'm going to say it in this way, or I'm going to craft it. I'm going to kind of hone that, hone that edge. And so I think there's a really powerful process of sort of sharpening that edge. Like, and like you talked about, it's, just an, it's a matter of experience and being willing to like put yourself out there and, and see what you see what's actually resonating or how to communicate what's actually working and then be able to lean, lean more into, to those pieces. Yeah. Like I would give like, if you're a shy artist and you really want to be an artist, I would study some salesmen, some really good salesmen or take a sales job that's going to put you outside your comfort zone and you'll get over it because you got to, you know, produce. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, sales, salesmen, even in books about salesmen, it kind of tells you kind of like how to talk to people and, you know, use your tone in a proper way to entice them and make them feel good about themselves. So it's like you could you could kind of we live in an information age. You can learn, you know, and it's up to you to kind of like push yourself out of your comfort zone. You're only going to grow. Right. And, you know, another thing is right. To be honest, right, Bryson Tiller, he's like a very much introverted artist, right? Very quiet to himself, seems kind of shy, but his manager is different, right? So if that's your personality, you need a someone on your team that can offset that, like a yin and a yang. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you got to find your weakness, and then if that's your weakness, you need someone on your team who that's their strength. So it makes mm. sense. Hmm. That's a, that's a good point. And it's interesting too that you brought up that point about, you know, if you're shy and you want to learn how to get over it to study sales. I, I didn't really think about it this way, but the thing that actually got me over the shyness was exactly that. And we, we basically did door to door, you know, quote unquote, door to door sales. But rather than doing door to door, we walked up to fans who were waiting in lines for shows and we met them, introduced ourselves, shared some clips of our songs. And then if they liked it, we had a backpack full of CDs and we would offer a CD. And there was something about that that was very similar, I think, to like door-to-door -door sales. And yeah. you know, and that was probably one of the most important experiences that I had was doing that for about six months. And yeah, I hadn't really thought about it at the time, but that was 100% sort of like a sales kind of environment. And maybe you could speak a little bit to, I feel like for musicians, especially, we might be a bit averse to the idea of sales or we feel like it's, I don't know, wrong or manipulative. So maybe you could talk a little bit about sales and shine a light on how you'd recommend thinking about it and approaching it in a way that's not sleazy or manipulative, but actually is coming from a good place. I mean, it just depends on the product, right? And your job is to convince the person that they need this product, right? And if they don't need it, there's no need to force it to them, right? So you really, like, there's something for everyone, right? And you kind of have to, when, when you're doing sales, you're going to see, like, oh, this person is motivated, not motivated, and then you don't want to waste your time on the non-motivated people. So you know who to talk to and who not to talk to and when to push and when not to push, right? Or like I get it depends on the product. So it's not like... Everyone needs something or wants something, and you just got to really kind of tap into it. So, you know, you don't want to sell someone something that you know they, you know, it's a bad product or something like that. Like, I could, when it comes to sales, I could never sell a product that I do not believe in because I'm too passionate about it. And when 
you have a product that you believe in, like your music, there's so many conversational pieces that you can talk about and you can see like, you know, if this artist is like similar artists to me, you can talk to them about why that artist is similar to you and how they like your music, right? So there's always something to talk about when you're passionate about it, but if you're not passionate about it, the product sucks, then you're probably not going to sell it. And it's like, for me, it was a game, right? And it's a numbers game. The more people to talk to, the more numbers and sales you're going to do. Of course, people are going to say no. That's, that's the first thing. That's the easiest thing to say is no. You might meet a shy person like you. Just, they may need the product, but they're shy, so they don't want to talk to you, so they're automatically going to say no. And you just got to be like, just roll with the punches. And again, energy is everything. If you have good energy, upbeat, you know, people are going to gravitate towards you. And you know, want to hear what you have to say, and then you just take it from there. Like I can, I can imagine you now. You probably could approach anyone with no fear. That might be a little bit of a stretch, but but <laughs> certainly, like I, you know, for, for me now, if I feel some fear when I'm approaching someone, it's it's not the kind of thing that's going to hold me back from approaching them if it's a person that I should talk to. Yeah, exactly. Because you you did it. You know, door door to door. I did something similar to you. I sold wireless internet on the streets in New York City. And I was, a, I was a brand manager, so I didn't have to sell it, but I had to show the team how to sell it. And this is the era when everything was hardwired. So wireless internet was like, I don't need that, I don't need that. So we had to sell it. But there were people that needed, needed it, and we became the number one market for the company. It's super interesting. Yeah, I think a couple of points that you brought up there that just totally rang true are how important it is to have a good kind of market to product fit. Like, I feel like that's really like the key to effective sales, like at, at the highest level is you find where there's a genuine need or there's someone that is actually gonna get genuine value from the product. And then you figure out how to communicate that value and tap into that thing that already exists. Like if you're trying to generate desire for something that doesn't exist, Sometimes it's possible you can kind of like, I don't know, redirect some different forms of desire to try to like put put that on something else. But it just, it, it kind of goes against the flow of nature. But instead, if you can actually find people that have that desire already and they have that need and you can you know, purposefully craft your product so that it's, it speaks to that and that's, that it helps, it provides that value, then it's like the rest takes care of itself. And you know, you have to show up and you have to learn how to communicate that value because if they don't understand that, then it's not going to help them. And, but when you when you have that that fit and you can communicate that, then, man, then, then the world opens up. And, and, and it, the same thing is true of playlisting, right? Mm. So when it comes to playlisting, you know, you kind of want to create out, create songs or promote songs that, it in the playlist, right? So, and I and when I say playlist, I mean look at the biggest playlist in the world that you will want to be on. And does my song fit on that, right? Because that's where you want to be anyway, right? So if you want to, you have a rap song and you want to be on rap caviar, but my song does, it doesn't fit rap caviar. You can't come to playlist stream with a rap song that doesn't fit rap caviar, but want rap caviar playlist, right? So because. Our job is to listen to the music and figure out which is the best playlist for this song, right? And then when we put it in, that's when we walk, look at the data and be like, all right, this playlist is not 
working for this song, we have to swap it out, right? So when you release the songs, you have to understand that, you know, there's a format, right? So you want to, you kind of, like, I'm not saying sound like what's going on, but you kind of want to be in the in the playlist, right? You don't want to be like Pop 40 said, you don't, you don't want to be all the way at, the sound is all the way over there if you're a pop artist. You understand what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. if rock and roll is is leaning this way, you don't want to lean too left. You don't want to, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to lean too left to where it doesn't fit in the main playlist of the song. It's like, oh, it could be a great song, but because it doesn't fit the flow or the format, it's not going to fit in the, in for the time. Of, for the time. Mm-hmm. You understand know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I totally hear you. So it sounds like what you're saying is that similar to when we're talking about sales, how it's like the best case scenario is you find where there's a genuine fit and there's a genuine need and then you can provide that as as a value. But the same thing applies to playlists in the sense that you need to find the right playlist where there's it's a good fit and it's actually going to resonate with people who are you know listening to that playlist. So you could have maybe the example is like you could have the most amazing country song ever and every every country fan be like this is the best song ever. But if you take that song and you put it on a death metal playlist, then it doesn't matter how good the song is, it's the wrong fit, and it's not going to resonate on that playlist. Exactly, and that's what we try to do all the time. With with the songs that come through, it's like, it has to fit a certain genre, or even quality of, like, if if you're doing a rock song, it has to fit the rock quality, because it's, even if it's in a playlist, it's not going to get the streams, it's going to get skipped. And then, and then it makes our job a thousand times harder. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah, and, and probably that's that's even worse of a situation because if it gets skipped, then algor- Spotify's algorithm is probably noticing, wow, this song gets skipped all the time and it's not something that people want to have recommended to them. Yeah. But it could be because it's on the wrong playlist. It's not necessarily because the song wasn't good enough. Yeah, and, and I like to encourage artists too before a lot of artists, I would be like, yo, do the playlisting immediately when you release. But it's actually better if you do the playlisting a little bit after, right? So you get your core audience, fans listening to your music. Like the algorithm likes that. The algorithm likes that the people that follow you listen to your new song or share your new song and engage with your new song. And then... You put it on some playlist and you get new listeners and new fans and new audience. It just enhances it even more. Mm. Cool. Makes sense. So you kind of want to have that seed group that you know engages with the song and that's going to give it a good idea of who those people are before you even kind of pour gasoline on the fire. Yeah, because essentially, as you grow your audience, you don't want to have to rely on the playlist, right? The playlist is to expose your music to new people and new audiences but you want to build your audiences right you want to build them constantly from all social media platforms and then the only real testament of that is the first week when you drop a song how many people listen to it how many people saved it you know and you're going to see oh this oh this release i got five thousand on my own the next release i got 7500 you can see your core audience actually growing because what a lot of people do is they'll They'll put this song on a playlist for a certain amount of time and that's it. They're not doing nothing. So it's like, all right, your song stays in the playlist. And if it doesn't grow, it's just going to die down. Right? So it's like, and if you're not releasing enough content or enough music, it's going to die down. 
And you want to be consistent as possible. So if you're dropping a record every six weeks, you want to try to keep the songs in playlists so that it doesn't die down. So just to constantly grow. So like your monthly listeners is going up. The followers is going up. So consistency, I would say, is like the number one thing that you have to do as an artist, right? And you have to be consistent. You have to have a plan like, all right, this year I'm going to drop 12 records. All right, so have a plan to drop a record every single month and have a plan for each record and don't deviate from your plan consistency is the number one thing that you have to do to be successful in this business you have to be consistent whether your your music sucks but you're going to grow right and you're going to see like oh man this audience is gravitating to my music or this type of song is, is generating streams you're going to know you're going to start to see you know what your audience likes to hear from you, right? Yeah. And you're only going to learn that by consistently releasing music, right? And it doesn't have to always be on a DSP. You can release music on Audio Mac, or you can release music on SoundCloud, or you can start a Discord and throw ideas in there. But you've got to constantly be feeding people, audiences, all the time so that you can grow. Mm. Smart. Yeah, So, so it sounds like what you're saying is that you know, it's consistency is one of the most important things. And, and not also not just consistency, but also learning from your consistent releasing and then you're adapting. You're seeing what's working, what's resonating. And through that process, then you can kind of hone it in. The The analogy that comes to mind is, uh, I love this analogy for anything that's a goal setting or, or achievement is that, you know, if you want to learn how to make a free throw, then you don't learn how to make a free throw by grabbing the basketball and just standing at the free throw line and aiming for like two days straight without throwing the ball, right? Like you have to throw the ball and actually yeah. put something out in order to see where it lands. And usually, unless you're really lucky, it's not going to land in, in the hoop the first time. Like you're going to throw it, it's going to be way to the right. But then through that process of looking and seeing where it landed, you know, okay, the next one, I'm going to throw it a bit to the left. Yeah, and so it sounds like that's what you're saying is like you know keep like have a twelve basketballs, you know, and keep pulling them every and and shoot it, see where it landed. Okay, I know I need to aim this way now, and keep doing that, and that's a way to sort of calibrate, so you can dial in what's working best. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Super smart, awesome. Well, hey Nigel, this has been it's been a lot of fun. I feel like we we've both talked quite a bit about you know spotify playlisting and streaming but also some really important stuff about the fundamentals of having the right mindset which is kind of at the core of, of everything so thank you for taking the time to share some of your experience and the lessons that you've learned and for anyone who's listening or watching this right now who is interested in learning more about playlist streams could you share a little bit more details about how someone could dive deeper we can just go straight to our website playliststreams.com you can contact us through there we also have a blog with a lot of tips and you know advice, you know. So that's best the best way. All our social media is on playliststreams.com. So just go to playliststreams.com and you can contact us through every platform right there. All right, fantastic. And and like always, we'll put all the links to the in the show notes for easy access. And yeah, appreciate you taking the time to be here. All right, thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. 
First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take the music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.